Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Throughout our show, we'll bring on some experts, talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Heather McNair. I'm Alex Mastriani, and we're happy you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. Hope you're having a great summer so far. Today's episode is all about member data. Data is such a popular topic because data is so important to us, and sometimes it can be a mystery. But data-backed decisions are strong decisions, and when you understand your data, it really enables you to be more competitive in today's highly personalized market. You need to put your members at the center of everything you do, and data can help you do that. From customized program offerings, resources for member onboarding, content you're creating, data really is the fuel that helps power member-centric programming. We recently hosted a three-part webinar series that dove into the world of member data, and I'm so excited to share one of our panel discussions with you. And whether you are a data novice or a seasoned pro, you will definitely walk away with some tips to improve your processes and learn how to leverage all of the great data that you're capturing on your members to create better member experiences. So without further ado, I will turn it over to HireLogic's own Josh Sliman, who's moderating today's panel. Take it away, Josh. Hello, everyone. Who's ready to talk about member data? My name is Joshua Sliman. I'm a senior consultant on the strategic services team here at HireLogic. We are very excited to kick off the first session of our three-part webinar series. HireLogic has teamed up with our part partners at Wicket and the Canadian Society for Association Executives to bring this program to you. I just want to uh, give a, a moment for our data experts to introduce themselves. Uh, Beth, why don't you kick it off? Hi, I am Beth Arrett, and I'm the product um, marketing manager at um, HireLogic. But um, a couple months ago, I came over here from association, so I spent um, a number of years uh, in association nonprofit, most recently the last almost seven years at the American Association of Airport Executives and have done a lot with data, particularly there. Great. Thanks. Welcome. Jeff? Hey, everybody. My name is Jeff Horn. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Wicket, and we're the world's first member data platform. So this topic is very close to our heart, the an organization that does nothing but focus um, on membership data and really transforming how associations can manage that data on a day-to-day -day basis. That's super exciting. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, Nicole, you're with Wicked as well. Maybe you could introduce uh, your role. Yeah, so my name is Nicole Cavallo. I'm a data analyst at Wicket. Um, so it really, my role spans a lot of different things as things with data tend to do. Um, so lots of just helping clients uh, get their data into Wicked and then also working on the reporting and dashboards and um, and our kind of internal data focus as well. And then Vasan, you're uh, with um, the CS, uh, CSAE, a lot of, a lot of acronyms. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role with the organization? Sure, um, so I'm the member insight and engagement manager at CSAE. And it's been today, seven years that I'm with the organization. And I started off- Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, as a membership coordinator, so um, I've been involved with data from the very beginning. So working with member data, and then working through uh, as a membership manager. So 
Today it's been like six months almost that I am in, the, in my new role. So happy to be here and share what I have to okay. say. Uh, so uh, let's kick things off with some definitions. Sometimes it's easier to start with um, defining what something is is not. Uh, so there often seems to be a lot of fear and hesitancy around data. Nicole, maybe Jeff, um, is there anything uh, you could help in sort of setting some context around what is data-driven and what isn't data-driven? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of resources out there right now that focus on um, becoming data-driven. And a lot of the time that seems like a very large thing, um, but really data-driven when you really think about what it is, it's just using data and the things you're actually doing day-to-day. Um, so it doesn't have to be a really advanced thing that you're doing or anything that's like complicated mathematics or um, investing in big programs or anything really uh, like the other examples we have there, are, you know, having a full data team or something like that. Um, it's really just about understanding what you have, um, what data is available to you, um, making sure that you're thinking about what you need in terms of reports. Um, and when you're looking at metrics, making sure that you really are defining those key um, metrics. Uh, there's tons and tons of metrics that are out there and um, really the key is just defining them. Yeah, um, absolutely. And yeah, well, I'll just jump in with like, I really, I think fundamentally, it really does come down to using, using data to make decisions, right? It doesn't have to be complex. Um, it doesn't have to involve algorithms, you know, right. like, it's really just you know finding ways to use data to make decisions day to day strategically. Right, right. Absolutely. Any um, any other insights, Beth or Vasan, on uh, you know sort of what what data driven means to each of you? Um, I would say that it's not just using it to um, analyze and get and make decisions. It's using it to then turn that around and automate serving a lot of the information up to people that they need. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of getting it to using that data to activate member actions. I'm, I'm sure, Vasan, that's something that um, that you have a lot of familiarity with. Exactly. So the, the data has to be practical use for us. So when you pull that information, it has to be useful immediately for the team or the member. So that's what we're looking for when we, for us when we look for data driven. Yeah, great. Beth, you and I were talking about uh, about this uh, er, earlier. Um, why why collect this information who uses it why is it important um who what are the right team members who should have it um everybody um democratization is a great way to put it um the trick is you have to make sure when you give that data to people that um it's not just accessible it is understandable um relatable uh they don't just need to know um what the data is they need to understand why it's important and how it impacts them. I mean, if you gave somebody a dollar and they had no frame of reference for what money was worth, they'd be like, I don't know what this is, it's a piece of paper, great. Um, so it's the same kind of thing with data. You have to know what it is and how it relates right. to everyone else to understand the value and the importance. Right, connections, making connections, understanding. Yeah, I mean, the analysis part is uh, is a, really a lot of the, the fun of it, right? Like, what are the connections we can make? Um, what can we learn about about our members? And and then how can we use that um, that information to you know to serve up uh, better value to uh, to help them meet the motivations and goals? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
the bigger question though is just why would why should associations dive into it in the first place if it's right if you make it relatable and do all that work why bother right so uh i mean i see oops sorry you know the the value for for me a lot of times is is about uh driving you know uh, driving the member action and and the member motivation and speaking that member's language in order to activate them uh to serve the to serve the uh, the organizational goals yeah absolutely and i i i think it you know i think you want you know to leverage your data and, and turn it to action but I, I you know i really think fundamentally as an association um you know, you you really have a responsibility to know your members, right? And and to you know to know them as a as a whole, but to you know to show that you know them uh, individually as well, right? And that you are properly collecting the right data um, and sharing that data back to them in the right place at the right time to be able to deliver them the resources and information they need. So I think the importance of data, um, really, for me, a lot of it comes down to that extreme importance of just you need to know your members um, and that's just critically important to deliver your mandate as an association i saw a great quote about that the other day um it's not about uh personalization it's about personal mm. right it's great if you can put my first name in something but then if you go to tell me that you know nothing else about me why bother <laughs> basically creates the relationship you want to build with the organization and the member and the more you know about the more about the preferences you can you know make that personal absolutely yeah Vincent, that's great a great point let's let's talk a little bit about your your day-to-day -day work sure so um i work with a team of um 14 people and and different teams so they have different need uh, to accomplish what they want and they have also their preference on how they want to use the data so for me day-to-day that means uh, keeping our database maintained, clean, so that we have proper data. Um, go to the sources to make sure that they're still working properly. Link the information to get the proper information that can be used directly by our team. Um, so that basic part is very important. Otherwise, the rest, the insight that we can get out, um, the, the information provided to our team members, they get errors, so it won't be accurate enough. And then based on that, um, I pull reports or lists, reports that can be used uh, and give insights so that they can better their uh, their performance in what they're doing. So basically at the end, it comes to providing a better service to members because associations have very limited resources and everybody's in the same boat on that. And trying to do the best as we can mean we have to understand what's going on. And my role is to make that information accurate and share it in a way with my team that they can interpret it and offer the service that we need to do with a member. Josh, um, I'm gonna turn that question back around on you. How do you work <laughs> on day to day? You know, I mean, I think segmentation is, uh, is critical. Um, and again, it sort of goes back to exactly what we were saying earlier, right? By delivering the right message to the right people as painlessly as possible, um, we have that better opportunity to to activate that member. But um, but also sort of this idea that 
you know, um, we're moving into this world of sort of scaled relationship building and the ability to um, activate and talk to to membership at, um, you know, at a scale and, and a uh, uh, a percentage and, and a ratio that is is much more effective in terms of driving internal efficiency. Um, one of the things we've actually recently done was, uh, and, and some some of the results here are on the screen, by uh, segmenting a, a call to action based on role, we were able to really open up a, a great uh, open rate, but also move our um, our conversions earlier into our communication process. So um, by by understanding um, you know the targeting the the member by based on their role delivering them value based on that so it's professional development opportunities sessions within within the annual conference so we're delivering very spec specified content um, to based on their role and and using that we were able to um, drive up our open rate we were able to uh, to really drive early conversions um, and, and get people uh, committed earlier uh, another great opportunity we saw in um, in activating uh, exhibitors who had 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 worked with us previously um, and and trying to communicate the value the additional value of taking that that upsell full member uh, full exhibitor package and and again you know uh, COVID sort of threw off the end results of a lot of these things but but our early results really really showed a, a nice um, bump up 13% of people basically in those early uh, communications moved uh, into that upsell package and and really generated additional revenue just by, by understanding um, where, what they had done before and and delivering uh, the upsell on value. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Josh. I think that you know, I think an interesting thing to that you often is is a, a great data story that we see is that once you do start segmenting, once you get away from the spray and pray approach of of communication, and you start delivering more tailored messages you immediately start to see those returns um, on whether it's open rates, registrations, whatever it might be. Um, and I know, I think Vasan at CSA, you've, you've seen some of that as well as you've segmented the data a lot more. We, we've been switching from spraying, like you said, to all our members, everything that we do to trying to cater for what will be people would be interested in. And we do see results and, and open rates, especially the unsubscribe rates lowers each time because people are interested in what they see so they 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 keep going the other thing we've had great success with is is identifying members of value and using cross-platform data points in order to sort of filter down and better understand behaviors that happen across these platforms. Um, and so there's there's been some great opportunity uh, in in understanding how the platforms talk together, what data points indicate a an observed or understood behavior across those data points, and how do we compile them into one spot and, and make them actionable and automatable too. That's earlier point. Well, and you bring up a good point about cross-platform because if you've got multiple platforms, like if you've got email, you've got um, say a newsletter, you've got community, you've got um, your website, if you have enough data and the right data and you understand it, then you don't have to email people as much. You don't have to send out the message because you're putting the right message in front of them at the right time across multiple platforms. Yeah, and the, and the connectivity there is really key. And I know we're going to, you know, probably get a bit later in the talk about talking about the technology side of all of this, but the connectivity of the data 
across your ecosystem of software is just so critical um, here today. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and ultimately, right? We're we're looking to serve, and Basan, you can probably speak to that. We're we're looking to serve the the members' motivation. It's it's their goal. It's their purpose. I know that a lot of times people get touchy and scared of of data and what it, what does it mean, but ultimately, right? Our our purpose is pure. We're looking to serve the end motivation of of members to drive advocacy, uh, to drive learning, um, to to drive uh, highlight and and spot spotlights on our on our members and and the works that that the the organization is doing. So, ultimately, understanding that data and delivering it to them, you know, drives their end purpose. Absolutely, as, as an association, it's it's towards the benefit of our members always. So when we get this information, we always find a way to benefit the member through it. So the more we gather, like you said, we can filter, we, we can segment, and then deliver what we can to them for their benefit. Exactly. Jeff, let me move a little bit into, into process. Any, um, any advice you would give to organizations that don't currently have any uh, formal process in place, where they, where, maybe where they should begin? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think when I when I think of this and, and really starting from from a, from, a, from a fresh place where you don't really have uh, much process in place yet, I think starting with identifying a, a champion internally um, who can really kind of own or take responsibility uh, for data initiatives within the organization, and and that doesn't need to be a the data scientist, right? It, it doesn't even need to be the person that's going to do the work around data, but you just need somebody um, who has interest in this type of work um, and is willing to kind of lead it and, and move it ahead. Because you really do need a champion um, that's going to that's going to push on it. And I think, you know, from there, I think really your next steps need to focus around, you know, what 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 are your metrics? What are the what are the words you use internally? Um, you know, when you say active member in your organization, what does that mean? Yeah. If, if I ask everybody, are they going to say the same thing? Not Probably close. not. Um, it's always, uh, you know, it can be surprising to realize just, you know, how important something like a, a data dictionary can be just to get everybody on the same page of what does it mean? What does an active member really mean? What does a lapsed member really mean? What does an engaged member really mean? If it wasn't like that, you're going to get all kinds of different answers and perspectives too. So I think working towards standardizing on a data dictionary is a, is a really good first step. And then from there, it's then you can start talking about, okay, what are our goals now? What do we want to start doing uh, with this data? Which then is going to lead to, well, okay, now what data, where is the data, and what data do we need to answer these questions? But I think I'd, I'd start a few steps back, and and the software and the tools, um, you know, you have to resist the temptation to start there. You know, it's it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to go find a piece of software to do this for me. Um, but the reality is you, you got to, the, the tools is, is last, right? It's, you got to start much earlier. Oh, that's very interesting. I love that idea of a, of of the the data dictionary, and and really sort of defining the semantics and the understanding across the organization. I think that's I think that's so often forgotten in in this process. So I, I think that's a great place to start. I think I love it. Yeah, that's sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. I was, was going to say it's critical. Um, you have to all be. It's that whole dollar thing again. You, how do you know what a dollar is worth if you don't have know what a dollar is? Um, so yeah, it's critical. Um, I was just actually wondering, Nicole, what are some common mistakes that you've seen people do? 
Yeah, so I'm related to uh, what Jeff was just saying too. It's it's a lot more fun to kind of start with uh, building the dashboard or doing that kind of thing and not doing the um, defining the key terms and that kind of more monotonous, tedious stuff at the beginning. But that really does end up being the most common mistake that ends up coming um, because I haven't really run into a lot of things lately where there's no data anywhere and nobody has any ideas of what to do right like there's lots of data and lots of things that you can do with it so a lot of the mistakes that end up coming are not kind of taking that time at the beginning to really work together and figure out what it is that you're talking about and like beth's been saying like with the dollar make sure that everybody is uh thinking the same thing about the dollar so those four kind of examples there are just um starting a project with just kind of thinking it would be cool if <laughs> and then kind of leading in from there because there i mean i am a data nerd myself like i fall into all of these mistakes all the time and you know you end up a week down into this project and you realize that there really isn't a lot of value in what you're yeah. doing it's cool yeah. but it's not uh, it's not really going to drive that value um there's also a tendency to think that with doing these uh, data-driven projects, you really need to start from nothing and then reinvent everything and go completely away from the processes you already have. But really just adding data in as a component to the things that you're already doing um, is going to be a really good way to make it be effective and to actually be successful in the project you're trying to, um, to push forward. Um, there's also, there's so many visual things that can come up when you're working on these data projects. Um, and again, this is another thing that I fall prey to as well, where uh, you come up with something that's just really visually appealing and you kind of focus on that more, which in certain circumstances might be the right goal to get to. But a lot of the time, you really want to be more um, focused on the content of what it is and not, uh, not focus on kind of the nice uh, nice to look at dashboards. And the last one there is really just, um, it, like I was saying, there's so much data and there's so many things that you can do with it that it's really tempting and hard to stay away from huge projects that are going to incorporate a ton of different things. And you know they might all be things that you eventually do want to get to, um, but starting there is very, very difficult to really get moving and really starting with those smaller projects where you can take a bite-sized piece, have a clearly defined goal and really just get to that goal and be able to show other stakeholders that progress um, is really, really quite valuable. But yeah, I was just gonna say, what's funny is that as I'm listening to the, the mistakes you make, I think that the reason why we all, can identify mistakes is because we've all made them several times over because we've gone, oh, data, pretty, shiny, and then gone, oh, no, don't start there. 100%. <laughs> pretty sure I was, um, started oh. on these like recently. <laughs> yeah, totally. I might have just come from one right now. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things uh, that I I have run into with, with customers is, is exactly that, that monolithic thing, right, that they just want a they have a whole list of metrics they they want but they don't know why 
or um, or they have uh, they have a purpose, but they don't know what ties to it, right? So I think it really, to your point, connecting connecting the the goal, the desired outcome, the organizational um, you know mission to to a metric, I think really does help identify how those things connect, and then it really helps simplify the metric that needs to move. Right, like if you can see the one, um, and if you sort of bring it down to one or two metrics, then we can focus and we can concentrate our efforts. We can direct our calls to action. Um, you know, I, I think that really helps sort of you know funnel down on what we're looking for. Vasan, I wonder if you um, have any experience sort of filtering down on the on the types of data you had to consider on your day to day. We do, especially now that we transition towards the new system we had a lot of wishful thinking, right? It's like, we want this, we want that. And then when we think about it hardly, like, is this really going to be useful? Or we were asked that question and said, maybe not. Because right. at the end, it's, it's more work, more data that's not useful. And we already have so much data to work with. So that way we filter down to some basic things that are really useful that we can follow through and that will actually indicate what we want to measure, right? Do you mind giving an example of one or two of those metrics that that is uh, that you guys that you guys find interesting or or um, you know uh, valuable to move? Uh, sure. Um, so one of those things that we ask our members is when they join is to fill out their profile. So there's a bunch of questions we ask, so their preferences, um, and what we do is it permits us to segment depending on their interests, depending on their responsibilities in their roles, so we can share information right and we had came up with a lot of lists of interests that might be useful but at the end when we look at the role of let's say a membership manager what do they actually really need and and, and we filter go through their interests we said mm, maybe they don't need 25 different interests they need to engage members they need to communicate with members they need retention ideas recruitment ideas and we stick to that they don't we don't need to expand that beyond to further uh, pollute our database basically well and it, and it must drive your efforts because now you know exactly what you're delivering at, at least uh, to to whatever degree possible exactly yeah that's great Beth, you were largely responsible for maintaining and maximizing data during your time at AAAE. What's your favorite example of a goal you were able to achieve utilizing member or communication data? Um, so we did. I mean, we did a lot with data, um, and I mean, I could pick a lot of things that we did in terms of outgoing information. And um, there was one, I think, one year that we actually sent like a million less emails, but we had a one percent. Um, increase both our open rates and our click-throughs. That's pretty good because that, that wow. meant we got a right. Um, but I think my favorite one is going to have to be the website personalization. Um, it was just sort of the culmination of years of work with data. We took all of the data that we had in our database on members. We took meetings, certifications, trainings, committees, all of that, and then we added in write-backs from web tracking. We added, added in the write-backs from community search. So that's that whole cross-platform thing that we were talking about um, and what people had posted. Um, and then we scored each piece of data like it was an engagement score. Uh, only instead of an engagement score, we were scoring subjects. Um, so each person in the database has a subject score. 
and whichever of our 12 main subjects they scored the highest in, that drove what news, resources, events, and advertising they saw across the website. Um, it, that was really just the ultimate use of data for me. Uh, we'd been building that data for so long um, and using it to analyze our members and figure out what we should offer um, and for promotion, but to get to the point where we could turn it around and let that data work for them every time they visit the site, um, to integrate their web visits and community activity to help them give the information that they need automatically even better. I mean, that was just next level. Um, I mean, obviously that's kind of an ultimate goal, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> there, was, there was nobody in my office when I figured out, like we had finally got it set up that the, the day I finally got things working right. And I was like screaming into the void, but it was awesome anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. that's great. I, yeah, that's yeah, I think that, that power to give to be able to present users with the information that is most relevant for them when they need it and, and in the place that is most relevant, um, it's very, very powerful, right? And and there's no question it's gonna result in increased engagement, right? I mean, that's what we're all that's what we're all aiming for, right? That's the ultimate dream is to just be able to turn around and um, our, our CEO used to ask for the Amazon experience. And I was like, no, 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 we're gonna give them the Amazon plus experience. It's Amazon only we're actually going to understand that they're not interested in the, that one artist that they bought a CD for their grandfather for 10 years ago. Yes, I'm talking about our experience. <laughs> but you, they, you know, you should know them better than Amazon knows them. Yeah, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, and the, and the the nice part, um, you know, is it's sort of the next step is once once we identify um, and, and sort of filter down on those members of value, then we can at you utilize and um, automation tools or um, you know other parts of the scaled relationship management tool set in order to scale those relationships and really increase and and um, and filter down on our our effectiveness. Look at parts within within that communication chain that aren't as effective and um, um, you know, tweak emails, uh, subject lines, uh, calls to action based on, you know, uh, looking at that, that data sort of across, across um, all of its applications. All right, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, data, exploring data in session two, but uh, I did want to talk about some important considerations laying the foundation uh, in terms of technology, um, technology stack. How do uh, how do we start that conversation? Um, you know, many associations have different systems, member data platforms, AMS, email marketing, online community. How does it all come together? Yeah, this is a it's, a it's a really interesting area, and it's an area that we certainly spend a lot of time deep in um, at Wicked. I think what you know, I think the reality for an association here in 2021 is you have many, many systems. Right? Um, you know, I think there there was the AMS systems of old tried to do everything in one platform, and I think more and more you see the trend towards yes, you need a, a system of record for your membership data. But you're going to use other, you know, great best-in-class tools across different functional areas. So you do end up with data in many systems. So then it just raises the question of, okay, well, with data in many systems, what what now? You know, and and how do you tackle that problem? And I think that's really where, you know, the incredible importance of integration. Um, and you know, luckily, you know, integration here in 2021 isn't what it was three years ago, five years ago, or 10 years ago, right? Like we've we've come so far in the technology realm of 
of what it looks like to connect systems together. And I think that's just incredibly important, right? Like you can today connect your data together, you can use disparate software tools, and whether it's a member data platform like Wicked or funneling all of your data into a data warehouse, there's just a lot of different approaches that can be used to give you insights, you know, and leverage technology to do so. Vasan, have you, um, you know, how have you, how have you worked out some of the smoothed out some of the ways the processes in between systems or um, for your members? How do you uh, sort of account for the user experience in in uh, in the different platforms? So integration has come very far, but it's still not perfect, right? So we still feel that, but it's the, the experience can be made easier for members when you make the branding same if there's like different platform connect them in a way that the member doesn't feel that they are in totally different where uh, they don't they're like oh this is not csv anymore right. um, so that helps a lot and in terms of data what we do is we work around we find solutions that are a little bit around when they're limited but for most part what's integrated helps a lot and and pretty much what uh, jeff said we have a very good integration for most of the tools so the data that we gather, we can put them together from different pieces, events, membership, um, education. Uh, we can put all together, make a good profile of a member and, and, and build segments from that. That's super exciting. Trying to build a, like take a computer chip and turn it into a pretzel when you're doing something like that. <laughs> Sometimes bending that data can be really difficult to get into. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's a lot of things to take into consideration, but but mm -hmm. there's so much behavioral data in these in these points, right? Like um, understanding how people are learning, what events they're going to, you know, how and when they renew their memberships. Um, you know, one of the things that I was able to do with a with a customer was note when people flowed out of the renewal process, right? At, um, and we found a significant number of people were renewing 90 days before their membership was due now that's you know it's an interesting piece of information it to us um, indicates a valuable group a it also allows us to start doing some some understanding and forecasting um, for for future efforts it also showcases some um, some of the places where the campaign may fall down um, if people you know if we see increases uh, you know on on the other end of things so I you know, just the ability to to see these these data points and sort of understand how they tie together has been really exciting. Well, we had the opposite experience of that at um, AAAE. Um, it was it was routine to let things go. Like we had a your your renewal is up due to like is over today. You, this is your renewal date, and then there was a full month after where you would um, still have, they would still have their membership because. Um, airports are government entities and so it took forever to get things paid so it, we just always went on the assumption because our data suggested it that we um, that our members just you know they it took a while to get things paid um, and when we turned it around and started we created our um, campaign to start like 90 days before the end date and it's a 120 day campaign 65% of the people renewed between the 90 and 45 day window because they'd gotten the information ahead of time um, so we were able to tweak all kinds of other processes too. We were we spent we tweaked how many um, print invoices we were sending. Uh, I think that when I left, they were down to a fourth of the invoices that they used to send. 
um, which is so much savings on paper and um, processing and everything else. So yeah, I mean, we went the opposite. We're, we just assumed because the data we had told us that. I think that's actually a whole other thing about the data is that you have to kind of look and see, okay, is it the data because that's true or is it the data because of something you've done? Sorry, yeah. I just had a worms there, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> It's a good thing this is a three-part series. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, um, I think. Kind of, oh, sorry. Do you want to oh, go ahead? You go ahead. Um, yeah, I was just going to kind of say, like, in regards to just data silos in general, um, even just kind of the diagram that we have there is a good example of uh, how much more visually um, empowering it can be to kind of actually sit down and draw out even if it's just on a piece of paper like where your data actually is and even just little notes about um, what data is in there so what data might be in your member data platform that isn't in um, a particular service or kind of just having that as a visual way to understand it is going to help with the um, slides earlier about data democratization and data literacy and all of that kind of stuff and it's uh i find just drawing it down on a piece of paper really um is enough to make a pretty huge difference in understanding where those uh where those gaps are yeah that's that's great great advice nicole and i think it's, it's it is so critically important to understand like you know, what data is in a system? What data do you need in another system? You know, like in the world of Wicket, we think of the member data platform as this hub. And then we say, okay, for these integrated systems, what data does that system need to have in order to deliver the best experience, let's say for the members? So, you know, does it need to know that it's, that, their, that their membership has lapsed um, as an example, so that, you know, when they go to register for an event, they no longer get the member discounts so that now you can prompt them to renew their membership. So. You know, it's you don't need all the data in all the systems, um, but you you need to map it out and understand what is needed. So. Well, and I think that's an important point because this is very much a a member life cycle or workflow or you know um, user experience here, right? So if these are our touch points with our memberships and our opportunities to engage and to offer value then you know what are the data points that represent that value and that engagement so that we can clearly define where we can improve and and where we're strong yeah so i know there's you know obviously everything would work together if uh if possible um you know so there's definitely a lot of uh, you know benefit in in that integration. We've talked about some of it in, around improved uh, member experience and um, cross-platform behavioral understanding. Um, I, I wanted to tie in the the um, uh, Spider-Man reference. So with uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, I think that does really come into play um, when we're talking about a member data, but also how we're activating membership and how we're speaking to them, how we're motivating them. You know, I think there's been examples across um, recent history of of both the, the positive and the negative uh, effect of of um, of community and and what that um, you know what that data that that responsibility holds. And so so sort of back to the the point about um, really looking. At this data in order to uh, drive advocacy to drive learning to drive um, you know you know m member motivations um, you know I just think it's an important point that 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 responsibility does does lie with us 
Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't can agree more there, Josh. And I, I think that you know you 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 know it's a, it's incredibly important information that you're storing on your members, and you you know you as an association have responsibilities from a data security, from a privacy standpoint, and to re, to really understand how that data is being used, to understand you know the you know what data does need to be shared with other systems and why. Um, and even just ask yourself the fundamental question as an organization: Why are you storing certain information? I think, you know, often what we'll see is if if it's at a point of transition to a new platform, that's a great time to stop and say, okay, well, um, you know, do we really need this data? You know, are we just collecting it because we always have, um, and it's really not even being used anymore? And Vasan, I, I know that we, I'm sure we went through a lot of that with CSA. Absolutely. There's a lot of historical data that we tend to keep because it's been always done like that. And then when you do this reevaluation, you're like, people, I don't think people want us to do this. We don't, I don't think they want us to keep this data anymore because either the laws changed or the privacy concept changed. Um, and these things evolve right with time. So we have to be up to date as well in terms of that and reevaluate the, the needs, are we gonna use it in a, to accomplish our mission as, as an organization? And if yeah. this is not a question we can answer yes, we don't need that data. Yeah. Yep, no, I think that's a, a really, really uh, important point. The, the transparency piece and the understanding, you know, that, um, you know, that, that the, the data is being used to drive that end goal, that end purpose really does, um, you know, add the legitimacy uh, and the purpose behind them. All right, let's talk a little bit about small teams. I know we're, we're getting a little tight on time, but we'll keep it moving. Um, Jeff, Nicole, uh, I personally have worked with multiple organizations that are teams of two or four people handling everything. Uh, any advice, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, just to, to quickly jump in, I know Nicole, you have some thoughts here. Well, I, I think it's just, you know, you just start small. You know, I think that, you know, like, you know, the, the old saying Rome wasn't built in a day, like you don't have to take on a, a huge initiative um, and B, just find something small to start with and, and try to find a success story. Right. I think, you know, if you want to work towards a data driven culture within your organization, you need to get buy in from your colleagues. And so finding a small project um, where you can, you know, go through some of those, those things we've already talked about, you know, um, coming up with some of those, you know, data dictionary terms, get something standardized, find a single key metric to focus in on, um, and then see if you can pull that data together and, and see if you can do it. Um, Nicole, I know you have some other thoughts too. Yeah, um, just similar to a lot of the other things that uh, we've been saying the whole time too. It really is just like Jeff was saying, just starting small and, you know, like there are already so many things that people are doing every day, especially in those really um, small teams of people. They're going to be wearing a lot of different hats during the day and there's a very good chance that there's something that you're already doing each day that you could just incorporate the data into. So it really isn't something that should be considered totally separate from the stuff you're already doing. Um, and really focusing on uh, picking something that's going to um, eliminate time spent in the future. So you might have to do a bit of that time investment upfront, 
Um, but a lot of uh, a lot of the data, like again, like we've all kind of been saying, when you can actually get it into people's hands at the right time, it can eliminate a lot of other work. Um, so really, just picking those right projects um, to get started with, and you know, just focusing on that uh, on that goal. And just a quick note too about the data dictionary stuff, because I know that um, sometimes that can seem intimidating to people as well. And you might find examples of data dictionaries that are huge things with like, you know, dozens and dozens of columns that you have to fill out for all this stuff. But it can really be as simple as, you know, a little spreadsheet that's like 10 rows and it's just a term, a quick thing about what the definition for that is and, you know, whether there's any acceptable values or something like that. So it really doesn't have to be a really big undertaking. It's just uh, getting those key parts in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the, the only other thing I'll throw in there is, you know, if 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 budget permits, I think looking outside, you know, hiring a, a consultant, um, there's lots of great people that are working in the association space that have great insights on data. You know whether it's data governance and just how to overall manage data or getting getting more into the weeds so there's there's lots of resources out there um and so um you know but finding a way to get started that's what it's all about awesome well i think we're want to leave with um with some next steps maybe um Beth, maybe you can weigh in on uh, some some ways to keep things rolling. Sure. Um, I, if you're really looking for a place to dive in and get started, um, I think the first thing you want to do is choose your goal. Um, data without goals is like a hockey puck without a net. You've got the tool, where does it go? How do you know what's successful? I like my analogy, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but once once you know your goal, once you know where the net is, um, that's when you can figure out which pieces of data will be the most important, what's going to help you actually make a plan to get there. That way you're not just wandering aimlessly through a data minefield. You know what you're looking for. Um, and you know what's going to look, what success is going to look like. Um, so now you've got your goals and you've got your measurements, um, so you need to make a plan. Um, and then once you've got your plan, you want to measure your goals routinely because you want to see, are you on the right path? What do you need to tweak? Um, and then once you get that set, there's more data to be had and more goals to be had. So you just go right back to the beginning and start all over again. Renovate and, and build another one. That's right. <laughs> ah, that's very yeah, exciting. That's a great point. Like iteration is so important in this whole thing, right? It's, um, you know, you think in an agile mindset, you know, you're going to try something, get you an end result. You're going to iterate on it and keep refining it. And, and yeah. that's, that's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that is the exciting thing is that this data really does serve that um, that concept of continual improvement, right? We, we always have the opportunity to do better and to better serve our membership and, um, you know, and and using data to, to do that ultimately, um, you know, it, it sort of hits on all of those high level uh, or, organizational goals. So I think, yeah, Josh, we're ready for questions, right? Um, yeah. and we have one in already. We have a question for Vasan. Um, so the question is, when CSAE worked to segment your membership, did you contact all of your members and ask them what information they wanted to receive or how did you go about that? 
So we do uh, have in our membership form uh, when people go in and sign up and it's available after that. So they can update their information there. And when we did the transition, we sent an email to all our members saying, hey, we're switching to a new system. It's a good time to go and update your, your data and, and indicate your preferences because we, we did expand what they could say to us in terms of uh, preferences. And they also have it in their communications they receive. There's an option in their communication preference where they can update um, they want newsletters, they want uh, the magazine or what subject they want to receive and, and, and this kind of thing. So, yeah, we, do, we did ask. Um, we did not, though, send an express email or, or communications just asking that question in particular. Um, but yes, they, they, they have always the possibility to update this. That's a great tactic. Looks like we have another one. Um, uh, does anyone have an example or a template for a data dictionary? Yeah, so we do have one that we use um, at Wicket that just kind of has pretty high level uh, things. I think we have about six or seven columns and we just use that as our general template. Um, and then, you know, if we have to tweak it for a particular um, cause, then we'll go from there. Um, so I'm not too sure if we have the ability to just like send links or something through this, but um, really if you just, uh, if you Google data dictionary examples, um, you're gonna see a ton of different ones. Um, and yeah, it's, you can really even uh, just start from any kind of template and just start filling it in and then delete rows or delete columns and I found out first just in experience that anything you need a template for, it's helpful to Google and look at multiple options because you're gonna find one that resonates really well, or you're gonna find two or three different ones that have different components that you want. Always a good what if we yeah. Can do <laughs> yeah. And again, like that kind of iterative process is really important mm -hmm. there as well, because you might make a data dictionary and then try and use it for something and realize that you're missing some crucial piece of information and you know, you just have to pull it in. <laughs> um, so what are some tips for getting organizational buy-in from everyone um, for tracking those touch points in the CRM? I, I've found most effective is, is um, isolate a couple pain points for some key stakeholders, find some things that we can use the data to solve and, um, you know, and then, and show, uh, you know, go do a little bit of that that analysis a little bit of that research dig around a little bit and and show um those key key stakeholders how you can how you can solve that problem using this data especially if they open up the door a little bit more mm -hmm. yeah i'd agree it's all about the out it's all about showing the outcomes you know the potential outcomes if if we have that data um you know here's the positive impact it's going to have either on you individually as a stakeholder or on the organization as a whole um you know just it speaks to just quality of data completeness of data um you know the data of course is only as good as as its quality um you know and if and if and if you're only getting certain touch points but not the whole picture um the data is just not not as valuable so so here's a good one i'm interested to see what people have to say about this one particularly around the whole discussion right now about google and cookies um, how will the trend of personal data protection laws 
and regulations affect the member data collection and utilization business? Yeah, that's a it, it's a really good question for sure. I think that I think that you know it's you know I think associations and many organizations walk that fine line of you know wanting to collect data um, so that they can better serve their members, but you know walking that fine line around data privacy and how that data is being used. Um, I think I feel like associations do it. You know, you have a different type of relationship to your member. It's it's different than Google tracking me as a consumer, you know, the the member has more of a vested interest in the organization and is tends to be giving more consent. Um, but it does come back to the critical importance of being very clear about why you're collecting data, what data you're collecting, and how you're going to use that data. It's it's absolutely important. To some degree, it's a transaction, right? Like we're asking for something in return for something, and um, so that needs to have equal value. Uh, at least, and so the data that we're collecting to Vasan's point earlier um, shouldn't we shouldn't if we don't need it we shouldn't collect it because um, because we're we're taking something we're not using and therefore we don't want to pay for it in in this transactional approach, right? So there should be this concept that the the that the data we're collecting is purposeful, it's understood, and you know it's clear in its um, in its intent. Um, so the next one just happened to be a somewhat related question, or at least generally, uh, where does data governance fall in the overall strategy and use of data across the organization? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And data governance is such a, it's such a great uh, topic and it, it is so, so critically important to really, you know, look into it. So. You know, data governance sits very early overall, right, in the overall strategy of data use, you know, really understanding, you know, how you, what type of data you're collecting, why you're collecting it, who's responsible for that data, who owns it, how you're going to use it. Those are all key things. And I think depending on your size of organization, um, you can go really, really deep on data governance and build an entire data governance policy and strategy. Um, or you can just at least acknowledge that data governance is important and take at least some initial steps towards it. Um, not sure if others have, have thoughts. Yeah, I'll, I'll default to Jeff on that one for the most part. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, clearly early in the process is, um, you know, is key and defined and, and transparent. I think are are definitely you know um, key pillars in a in a in a good policy. Um. So this is a little bit long of a question. So bear with me because it's a really great question. Um. So when you're using different platforms, all with different useful data sets, how do you avoid spending too much time reviewing the data? Um. Knowledge is power, but do you have a suggested approach for prioritizing? the approach towards becoming a more data-driven organization? How do you decide where to start first, particularly as a small organization? Yeah, so I think there's, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, you go ahead, go ahead, Nicole. Yeah, so I think um, one of the really valuable things is just uh, when you have all this data and you really don't know where to start because you don't know what's in there, um, there's a lot that you can do on just kind of getting a summary out of the data. Um, so that could just be, 
you know, getting a bit of an idea of the um, each field that's in a data set and what values are in there. And there's um, there's a few things that you can do to get that data summary. Um, if you do any programming, there's lots of uh, like Python libraries. Um, there's lots of other Excel things that you can do there too. Um, and that could be a really great step towards that data-driven organization as well, because you're bringing visibility into that data set without putting too much emphasis on that uh, specific project or like a specific thing to pull out of it other than that summary to start. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like benchmarking in sort of understanding where we are currently is um, is such an important part of the process. And I do sometimes think that gets overlooked. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that inventory data analysis as a starting. Yeah. When it's again, going back to those goals, you know, pick your goals and then start there. Right. Um, so, um, some really great questions and there are some that we've not gotten to so um but we are reaching the top of the hour uh if we didn't get to your question someone from our team will reach out to you with a response um so we just want to thank you for being here today and uh especially thanks to our partners wicket and csae vasan nicole jeff thank you so much uh we will all be back with you on may 20th at 2 p.m eastern uh for session number two where we're going to we're going to be talking about how to explore your data um so if you haven't already signed up please make sure that you do and we hope you have a great afternoon thanks Bye. thanks everybody this is a lot of fun all right thank you Take thanks care.